some managers, because I am not calling them leaders, some managers are responding to quiet quitting with quiet firing. How do you grow and scale your business while avoiding entrepreneur poverty? Hi, I'm Buzz and I've spent over 20 years marketing for entrepreneurs just like you. I've learned there's no one secret to success, but a series of strategies to help business owners scale at will. On this podcast, we uncover invaluable insights that successful entrepreneurs and industry experts use to profitably scale businesses. Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. Welcome to another episode of the You Are Buzzworthy podcast. I hope you are all doing well and are staying profitable. Today, I want to talk about leadership from an entrepreneur's point of view, specifically when dealing with the great resignation and now the new quiet quitting epidemic. Now, some say this is not a new phenomenon, and rather with recent events like global pandemic, turbulent economic times, and a hostile, literally with wars and everything, political landscape. People are much more vocal about it now. But nevertheless, we are in an employee-driven market right now. And as an entrepreneur, we now more than ever need to attract and retain the best people for our companies. And that's what we're going to talk about today with my guest, Jocelyn Morn Nurse. Jocelyn is an architect of success, possessing an impressive understanding of business with a career that took her from public service to entrepreneur to CEO of a software company while growing her own leadership training company. She's led teams of over 40 members, managing operations through crises and transformation, redesigning recruiting processes, and overhauling business financials for profitability and measured growth. Through her company, Lexentis Incorporated, she teaches leaders how to attract and retain top talent. She is also the chair of the Forbes Business Council's Employee Empowerment Group. Jocelyn is passionate about impactful leadership, employee empowerment, sustainable growth, and business agility. Welcome to the show, Jocelyn. Thank you so much, Buzz. I'm really excited to be talking about this topic. As you mentioned, like everybody's talking about it. And so I'm super happy that we'll be having this conversation today. I'm loving the fact that I found somebody as in-depthly knowledgeable about this topic as you. I mean, your resume is screaming to talk about this. So why don't we dive in and give the audience a glimpse of how do you see various leadership philosophies impacting or how are entrepreneurs handling this current landscape of like an employee-driven landscape? It's very interesting because when it all started with the whole thing about, oh, quiet quitting, and I was like, what is that about? And when I read more about it, I understood that I'm one of those who believes it's not a new concept. I think that it's been around for a while, but just the conditions, you mentioned it at the beginning, the conditions are such that people are much more vocal about how they feel and they're uh, much more introspective and their bar for what they're willing to quote unquote put up with is very different. I think everybody has reevaluated their lives 
And it's put on this push to be more authentic. And people don't want to show up at work and be treated like numbers or be treated just like, I'm going to say a resource, but it's more like be treated just like a taskmaster or a task accomplisher or something like that. People want to show up as their authentic selves. And so how does leadership impact on that? It has a huge impact because it's different leadership types that have created these conditions. So uh, and more recently, actually, I was reading about how some managers, because I am not calling them leaders, some managers are responding to quiet quitting with quiet firing. I'm like, <laughs> what? How is that going to help? And so that whole concept of the, the quiet firing is that, oh, well, you're going to, uh, you know, not accept to do these things extra for free, or you're not going to uh, be ex uh, accepting of being on the, the virtual treadmill all the time. Not a problem. I'm going to give you the cold shoulder. I'm going to not invite you to important meetings. I'm going to create conditions even worse so that you're going to leave. How is that helpful? So that's why I say I call them managers, not leaders, because right. leaders are there to, uh, and that's my my belief, and, and I think we're seeing it with how uh, team members are, are responding, that leaders are there to elevate. They're there to empower. They're there to help create conditions where team members feel valued and where we can remove obstacles so that they can contribute. Everybody wants to contribute, you know? Like we don't want to just be at work and feel like what we're doing doesn't matter. So it's up to I, leadership. Definitely. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're, we're seeing that in the economy of how people spend their money. It, it goes along with that concept of like how I spend my money. I probably want to make my money in the same fashion, have impact, social impact, environmental impact, whatever that is that drives us, right? We vote with our dollars. Maybe mm -hmm. now we're voting with our hours. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, time Absolutely. is the irreplaceable commodity. Yep. And people, I think, are finally waking up to where it's like, wait a second, 40 hours a week is a third of my life. And we are stuck in cubicles a lot of mm -hmm. times because we've become such a digital society, mm -hmm. especially in the United States. Right. And, yep. you know, it's funny. I had a building, I had a large building a few years ago. It was about 13,000 square foot building in downtown Anchorage, Alaska. And we had about 22 employees there. It was gorgeous mm -hmm. uh, glass walls, a whole nine yards, you know, views of the mountains and all that good stuff. And this was before, you know, this is like four years ago and it was before the pandemic. But even then, you know, people were like, I don't like the coffee. Like, can we have better coffee? <laughs> like, it was like, at, at some point as a leader and for managers, there is, it seems to be petty, the things that employees can ask for. And you, you, you get stuck. Like, where is the line where, we, where we're over catering to our employees? Do you have something to help with us with that? That's an interesting point that you raise because I think that I, I talk a lot about people-centric leadership. And I think that some view it as that whole concept that, okay, that means team members can do whatever they want, whenever they want. Okay, no, we have to have that understanding. There has to be this employee-employer agreement where we say, okay, I'm going to create the best working conditions that I can 
help you grow as an individual in your career, help you feel valued, uh, feel that you're uh, creating, uh, making a difference, you know, contributing positively. And, and I will provide you a, a good living wage and good benefits and all that stuff. And in exchange, you're going to, you're going to contribute to the organization by providing uh, good work by showing up, by uh, helping identify potential issues, potential obstacles, by helping elevate what is happening within the organization, by working, let's say if you've got clients, uh, doing your best for the clients and helping us keep them happy and, and then have them refer us to other people so that we can get more work. So it, there has to be this understanding. And I think that when the pettiness starts to come out, it's usually in response to something. I like to dig deeper. When I hear that somebody comes to me with something like that, I'm like, okay, is this really what it's about? Or is it something deeper that I need to address? Right. I think that's a smart way of thinking about it. And I think that in my experience, I've been an employer now for over 17 years. And it's that, it's the less than 20%. It's the 2% mm -hmm. that get in there, right? And it's all, and I think as leaders, we have to remember that we can please some of the people some of the time, but we can't please all the people all the time. But now we have this dichotomy of remote work versus in-house work, right? So in the beginning of 2019, I dodged a bullet when it came to the pandemic because I went 100% remote mm -hmm. at the beginning of 2019. So by the time everybody was shutting their doors to their employees and saying, go home, we'll figure out how you can work from your living room. I'd already had 14 months of experience with that. But one of the things that I feel I want to get better at is how the culture cuz you were talking about like there we have to deep dig deeper into the culture mm -hmm. if we see pettiness right yeah. cuz there's something wrong there yeah. not necessarily the work environment like you can have the best managers you can have the best leaders you can have the best offices you can have the best tools but if the culture is lacking then you're going to dive in there so as remote businesses become more and more prevalent in the United States how do we build these cultures as leaders for people we do not see on a regular basis, even face-to-face, -face, because we're you know, communicating through text and email most of the time? What, what are the steps that we should be taking to increase that culture? Or how do we set a culture in that, that environment? Well, I also was fully remote before all of this happened and for years. And the software company where I'm CEO is fully remote. And it has been that way the whole time. And so I'm very used to being in an environment where I recruit without ever meeting the person. We, you know, work daily without ever having met each other. And I think a lot of it is mindset. How do you show up? You have to put in place certain um, I'm going to say almost like a, a code of conduct. It's like, okay, how do you show up? How do we uh, behave with each other? How do we let each other know uh, what we're up to? How do we share? And it's creating a space. Uh, I'm going to call it uh, random chats. Uh, so creating areas where people can just jump in and share something that's completely off topic to create that bonding. And I think also having 
an event that is built in just for that. Like for instance, we hold like quarterly happy hours Mm -hmm. and it's just, we all go and we sit and we chat, we talk about nothing. And it's building that time to allow team members to get to know each other as people. Mm -hmm. And so even though we haven't met in person, we still know each other to a certain extent because uh, over time, by sharing who we are as individuals, by sharing our interests and be like, hey, oh, oh, you're interested in that TV show too. Oh, me too. Hey, let's create a channel where we can just talk about it and something like that. Or, hey, uh, let's have a hosted game night. So we did that once, which is super fun. And so we were, we're all playing together, but we're all at home. And so it's kind of making sure that you create space for humanity so that people can talk about their problems and also have a, a place where people can help each other out if they need support or encourage each other. Or if they're you know on a fitness journey that you can share, hey, I'm doing this, you're doing that. Oh, you know what? I'm inspired by you doing that. And so that's that's it's bringing that humanity into uh, the workplace and elevating that in that culture. And I think that's how it helps to create that uh, cohesion in a remote workplace. I get it. Depending on where you have your employees, that can become more difficult because like, I have folks that are on the West Coast, folks that are on the East Coast, I'm in the middle. And so it's like, okay, what's a good time? And I think that other people will you know, argue like, don't have them after hours or on their off time because it's like, no, that that's their time. Like one of the things that I strive for is that we work around the needs of our employees. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of part-time employees because that's where their lifestyles have stay-at-home right. dads, mm-hmm. um, you know, older, more experienced people that, you know, they're just not wanting a 40-hour work week. Yeah. They, no, they want a 30-hour work week. And I'm like, perfect. We will work you up to 30 hours and whatever we can do with 30 hours, we'll, we'll utilize you for that. And if we need more, then we'll just find more people. Exactly. Which I think can create a lot of or what I'm doing is creating redundancy because I probably have more than 30 hours of one type of task, right? So if I have multiple people running 20 to 30 hours a week and one has to go away for a minute, I can ask, hey, can you you know, pick up the the slack for that. And a lot of times if it's helping the other person enjoy their time off or take care of family or whatever that looks like, great. Mm-hmm. And so now we're uh, working to live and not living to work, right? Yes. <laughs> That's a huge yes. deal. So yes. the, the, the question now becomes, why are people moving around so much? I think there are a couple of things. I think one of them is people just reevaluating their lives and, and deciding, you know what? I thought I wanted to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. And so there's, there's a portion that is people just deciding they want to change careers. I think a portion is also the culture. We, we talked a lot about culture, but organizations that advertise a certain culture, but once you get inside, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. It's like, Culture for them is a piece of paper with some values on their website or whatever, you know, and it's not something that's actually lived every day. And through interactions uh, at work, you realize, okay, this is not what I was expecting. Wait, wait, wait. You're, so, you're saying it's not the poster in the break room? What? That's not it. You just you the mantra. You get everybody to like chant it before yeah, exactly. like, board meetings and stuff. No, that's more yeah, exactly. to it. Send it in the morning. Everybody, we recite this thing. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so. 
I think part of it is that, and a big, big part is leadership. And it's how leaders are showing up and whether they're showing up in a way that is self-serving. And so now I'm going to remove the leader label. They're not leaders, they're managers. If they are uh, more interested in themselves and you know their title and positional power and that kind of thing, or feigning interest, oh, that whole idea of leave your problems at home. Well, no, that doesn't work. Because if something is happening in somebody's life and it's really, really difficult, they're going to have a hard time concentrating. And so it's up to us as leaders to check in on our team members and see like, how are you doing as a person and make sure that we have that time. And in creating that, uh, we also create the space for them to be their whole selves. And I think that helps everybody. Now, I, again, we were talking about reevaluating our lives. I think a lot of people have experienced this kind of blend of, it was no longer just remote work. It was working from home and it was having life in our workspace. And so with that whole integration, I think that has changed us. And I think that now it's more like, okay, you know what? My child might break into the room and you can't be mad if that happens in the middle of a meeting or in the middle of your presentation because, hey, you know what? This is where I am mm -hmm. and it's going to happen. And I think that people who aren't creating those conditions at work are seeing a lot of their team members leave because if they don't feel valued, they're like, you know what? I'm going to find another place that that is going to value me. I mean, what I'm hearing you say is that companies have basically tuned out from their employees during this pandemic. And I mean, really, if we look at politics, there's a lot of divide in the United States and even in UK and a couple other countries where it's like, it's such a weird phenomenon that companies just stopped caring or is it mm -hmm. because the big companies gotten so much bigger and they become such a part of where people are working? And because I feel like in the SMB arena, we are so in tune with, we're almost too in tune sometimes with mm -hmm. our employees. And maybe that is driving people to move around when they, they decide, oh, wait, I don't think I align politically or socially with my yeah. employer. I'm going to go find somebody who's mm -hmm. more like me. You think that yes. has a little bit more to do with it? Oh, absolutely. In terms of values, we were talking earlier about, you said voting with our hours mm -hmm. or something. And I think that's the case. If someone feels that their values are no longer aligned, then I, I do think that it will contribute to them leaving, which comes back to living the values that are advertised. If the organization says, yes, we really care about our team members. And then when they come in, they're like, oh, yeah, you look like you're having a hard time right now, but you know, I'm really busy and I need you to be doing this thing and this report and this thing. And when, when is this due and how far are you? No, you need to take that moment and go, okay, how are you doing? Like, talk to me. And I do think that that has a lot to do with it as well. Okay. So what can we as entrepreneurs and leaders, not managers, but leaders do with this because there's so many moving parts that we just, I mean, just in the last 20 minutes uncovered the, the social impacts, the political impacts, economic impacts, health impacts, the even the variety of ways we can work, remote, in-house, hybrid, all these things. How does an entrepreneur navigate their team 
and attracting the best and retaining the best team for their company. Yeah, I think that it's going to start with being very, very clear on whether the organization is living the values and ensuring that leaders are keeping an eye on that and are held accountable for ensuring that those values are being lived within the teams. Like a little bit earlier, you said, is it that the big, bigger organizations are able to do so because they're so large? I don't believe that. I think that maybe it will get watered down in the sense that not everybody's going to know everybody. You may not have access to executives the way you would in a smaller organization. At the same time, you will have microcosms. You will have team leaders of smaller teams. And if everybody does their part and focuses on being a people-centric leader, somebody who, and again, I, I really want to emphasize that it is that agreement, that understanding that I'm going to provide you with all these amazing things in return, as an employee, you also have these responsibilities and we're going to agree that this is how we're going to do it and we're going to support each other and lean into that. So that's very important. And I think that the bigger organizations can do it because they have the smaller teams to do it. So I think the first thing, again, is the culture. Just make sure that the culture is being lived. And the second one is uh, on the leader the leader making sure that they understand that they are self-aware, they understand the impact that they have on others, that they elevate their own skills. Like for instance, some people are uncomfortable with conflict. They have this idea that conflict is necessarily negative. And I don't believe that. There is such a thing as healthy conflict. And as leaders, we need to be able to lean into healthy conflict to be able to create better conditions, solve problems the best way possible, gain as many perspectives as we can. And so it's on us, I'm going to say, do the work, become, uh, educate ourselves to have a, a deeper understanding of who we are and the filters and triggers that we also bring into the organization. And then that's going to help us also better understand our team members. So if we're having a, a discussion with a team member and all of a sudden, things start being heated and we're like, oh, I feel like this person's being argumentative. Is the team member really being argumentative? Or is it, let's say, a trigger that I have from a different position that I had that I'm bringing into here? Or if they're reacting negatively to something that I said, ask ourselves, is it me? Did I say something in such a way to create this response? Or does this belong to someone else like that they brought this in from a past experience? Or is it a, a filter, something that they're going through right now, a symptom that they're not doing well and they need to talk about something else? And so we almost have to do, I'm going to say, the psychological work to uh, become better people so that we can lead in a more efficient way that is more caring. And yeah, and I think that just remembering that we are people leading people. You heard Jocelyn, it's time to solidify a positive culture so you can elevate your team's skills and be willing to do the work of being a leader that creates an environment everyone can thrive. Check out all of Jocelyn's links in the show notes. While you're there, subscribe to You Are Buzzworthy Podcast. We want to hear your feedback, so leave us a review. And until next time, stay profitable and be buzzworthy. Hey, hey, hey.